Open your Bibles to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We'll get there in a moment. The title of this message today is Two Desperate Prayers. Two Desperate Prayers. You know, there are two desperate prayers that we need to pray every day. Every day. And they're so vital to our walk with God. And so vital to our fellowship with God. And so important to our hearing the voice of God. Now Jesus is the one who inspires us with these two prayers. You can look at the life of Jesus and you can see that this was two prayers, I believe, that were a part of his life. Different in the way we pray it than he did. But it was very important in the life of Jesus. It's hard for us to understand. See, you know, we believe that Jesus is 100% God. He's no less God than the Father. No less God than the Holy Spirit. He is absolute perfect deity. Emmanuel, God with us. But also... We believe that Jesus was perfectly human. In fact, we believe that Jesus laid aside his deity, was born of the Virgin Mary in the manger in Bethlehem, and he took upon himself humanity. And you need to understand this for it is true. Jesus did not live on this earth in the power of his deity. He lived on this earth as a man full of the Holy Spirit of God, full of the Holy Spirit, totally dependent on his heavenly Father. Now, that will help us to understand that Jesus knows what we're going through. He knows what we feel. He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to have a spiritual battle. For Jesus lived on this earth as the son of David. A man full of the Holy Spirit. You say, Brother Fred, does the Bible really make that clear? Well, listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 2, listen to these words. It couldn't be any plainer. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, a human body, he himself likewise shared the same. Just as we were flesh and blood, Jesus likewise shared the same. That through death, he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Now now listen to this verse in verse 18. In verse 17 of Hebrews 2. Therefore, in all things, Jesus had to be made like his brothers. He had to be made like us. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, he was made in all things like us, and so he understands us, and he is a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Now, you say, well, Brother Fred, how did Jesus, he lived a sinless life, y'all. He never sinned. He's the last Adam. The first Adam sinned, and death came into the world. Jesus, the last Adam, perfect humanity, he never sinned. But how in the world did he do that as a man on this earth, full of the Holy Spirit of God? How did he do that? Well, he himself makes it absolutely clear how he did that, what the key was to his life in doing that. Let me read you a couple of verses. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 19, listen to what he said. Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, the Son of Man does nothing of himself. Oh, Jesus said, I don't do anything independent of the Father. I don't do anything in my own power. I am totally dependent on him. He said, the Son of Man does nothing, can do nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the Father do. Obviously, he had his eyes on his heavenly Father. Whatever he sees the Father do, the Son does in like manner. So Jesus said, anything of myself, everything I do is what I see the Father do. I look to him. I'm totally dependent on him. I never operate on my own. And then he said, he said it again in uh, chapter 5, verse 30. Listen to what he said. I can of myself do nothing. Oh, I see, Jesus. You lived a sinless life. You raised the dead. You opened the eyes of the blind. You cast out demons. You did all those things, Jesus, but you never did it of yourself. You said, I can do nothing of myself. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So Jesus lived on this earth as a man, full of the Holy Spirit, perfect humanity, the son of David, perfect deity, the son of God. He lived on this earth totally dependent on the Father, doing nothing of himself. As the Father spoke, he would spoke. As the Father acted, he would act. He was totally dependent on his Father. Now, but let me show you. The great picture of Jesus that inspires us to pray these two desperate prayers I'm going to talk about in a moment was, you know that above everything, Jesus was a man of prayer. You see, he spent time with his father. It is amazing. As you just look at the prayer life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 34 and 35, he had just performed uh, uh, some great miracles. And I want you to listen to what he did. All right, in Mark uh, 1, chapter 32, At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out demons. He did not allow the demons to speak, for they knew him. Now listen, he's just had a great display of his power. But listen what he does. Now in the morning, next verse, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out to a departed 
and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. After Jesus had done all these miracles, he got up early. And he went to a place, a quiet place. And he just spent time looking at the Father, talking to the Father, listening to the Father, saying, Father, what's your plan today? What do you want to do today? What, is he, what do you want to say through me today? You see, Jesus was above everything a man of prayer. You turn over to Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, and you don't need to turn, but j- j- listen, he had just performed his most public miracle. He had fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. So what does he do after he did that? It says in verse 21 of Matthew 14, Now when those who had eaten were about 5,000 men and beside these women and children with five loaves and two fishes. Immediately Jesus said to his disciples, after this great miracle, now get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. But what did Jesus do? And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Man, he had just worked an amazing miracle. He said to the disciples, y'all go on the other side. And he went up on the mountain. He said, Father, that's awesome what you did. That was awesome. But Lord, what, if, what, what is your plan today? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? You see, Jesus Christ, you know, man, above everything, he, he talked to his Father. You see, prayer is not only talking to God, but he listened to his Father. You know, you know one thing that just struck me this week? That right before Jesus chose his, the 12 disciples, before he chose them, you, you know what he did? The Bible says, listen to this in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued in prayer all night. You know why? Because the next day he was going to choose the disciples who would be apostles. And so he prayed all night long, and when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and, the, and, and then he chose the twelve whom he named apostles. Now let me tell you something. Jesus lived on this earth as the last Adam, the son of David. No sin nature because he was conceived in Mary uh, by the Holy Spirit. But he lived on this earth as a man full of the Holy Spirit. But you know how? He never sinned. He overcame the devil. He won every victory. You know how? Because I'm telling you, above everything, Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. He listened, he spoke to his father, he listened to his father, and he never acted independently of his father. He moved in a spirit of prayer. You remember when he was going to the cross and the the reality of of the cross was on his mind and he knew that he was going to become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And, and, and he saw the guilt and the shame and the agony, uh, not so much the physical but spiritual agony of the cross. And he got some of his disciples and said, y'all, sit, y'all stay here and pray. I'm going over in the garden and I'm going to pray. And he, and he said he went over there a little ways and he, and, and he prayed. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He came back and his disciples had fallen asleep. You know what he asked him? Well, couldn't you pray with me at least one hour? 
Couldn't you just pray an hour? And he went back and prayed two other times. In the greatest crisis of his life, knowing the will of God, but struggling with the reality of what would happen when he went to that cross and died in our place, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ got alone with his Father, and he prayed. So you wonder, man, no wonder Jesus was able to be who he was and do what he did because, man, he knew what it was to pray. And then you get over there and you uh, realize that, you know what he's doing now? You know why? If you're saved, you're going to make it. Oh, you're going to make it. You say, Brother Fred, I don't know. Well, if you're saved, you're going to make it. You know why I know? Because God said so. You know why I know? Because Jesus is praying for you. Over in Hebrews chapter 7, it says, um, he has an unchangeable priesthood. And it says he ever lives. Listen to me now. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Jesus is praying for you. Since the day you got saved, there's never been a time he didn't pray for you. You said, I'm, I'm telling you, it hadn't. He, he, he ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, understanding that Jesus Christ, above all, was a man of prayer. And that prayer was the key to his life. A life of fellowship with the Father, intimacy with the Father, victory. There, there are two prayers that we ought to pray every day. Desperate prayers we ought to pray every day. You know what the first one is? Lord, teach me to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, no, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. You know what the disciples asked Jesus? Jesus, John taught his disciples to pray. Lord, why don't you teach us to pray? Now that would be an awesome prayer that you could pray every day with a desperate cry of your heart. Lord, will you teach me to pray? And here's the second prayer. And it's in Luke 8, 18, 1. Luke 11, 1, they said, teach me to pray, Lord. Then in Luke 18, 1, Jesus was speaking and he said, he spoke a parable to them saying that men always ought to, men, you ought always to pray and not to faint. And the second prayer is desperate prayer. Lord, enlarge my prayer life. Lord, teach me to pray, but Lord, would you do this? Would you enlarge my prayer life? Lord, I don't want to faint. I don't want to faint. I don't want to give up right when the answer is coming. I guarantee you it'll change your life. If you say, Lord, you teach me to pray. And you let him teach you. And he'll teach you. You know why people pray so little? Well, after they've prayed to certain things, they don't, they don't know what else to pray. Lord, well, um, thank you for my blessings and and, 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 and bless my children. And that, these are all wonderful prayers. And bless my marriage. And, and Lord, uh, bless my job. And, uh, you know, and, and heal my body. And, and, and they may have two or three people they're praying for. Well, then they say, well, you can do that in four or five minutes. Let me ask you a question. How much time do you think you spend in prayer? That, that's a personal question. But I think it's a valid question. If Jesus' whole life, 
he moved in an attitude and spirit of prayer, then I think it would be a valid question to ask, if prayer was so important to Jesus, why is it not that important to us? And, 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 and really, we need to examine ourselves and say, well, Lord, what about my prayer life? What about my prayer life? How important is prayer to you? Lord, teach us to pray. And Lord, enlarge my prayer life. Now, let me tell you, this is going to help you. There are three kinds of prayer. Now, stay with me. First of all, there's what I call deliberate personal prayer. And you know what that is? Over in Matthew, Jesus said, Don't be like the Pharisees and the hypocrites who love to pray standing on the seat corner, uh, on the street corner, so they can be heard by men. But you, when you pray, you just go into your closet. And you shut the door. And you pray to your father in secret. And your father in secret will ward you openly. You see, there's that personal time alone with God. It's called deliberate, disciplined prayer. And literally, you don't get in a closet. You can if you want to. But basically, you get alone with God. And it's just you and Him. And you're there for one reason. You're there to talk to Him. And you're there to listen to what He has to say. Now listen to me. You're not going to make it if you don't talk to Him. And you're not going to make it if you don't listen to what He says. You think prayer is just you talking. Oh, no. Let me tell you one thing. The most significant things that happen when you pray is the still, small voice of God speaks to you, and you know it's God. But you know, there's another kind of prayer. Not only that deliberate personal prayer, when you get alone with God in your closet, and you and the Lord talk, and you listen. But you know, it's what I call a lifestyle of prayer. And this has completely revolutionized my understanding of praying. I do believe in the significance and importance of closet praying where you get alone with God. But you know, I love that verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, pray without ceasing. And I don't know what other way to say it other than you pray on the run. You just pray on the run. You're not, not alone in your closet, but man... You, 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 you're at work, sitting at your desk. Or you're at work and you're doing whatever your duties are. Or, or you're going around the house. Or you, you find yourself driving your car. Let, let me tell you something. But you know what you, you start doing? Yeah, you've had your secret time. You've had that personal time of prayer. But then you just begin to live your daily life with an attitude of unceasing prayer. You always live in an attitude of prayer. You always live in a spirit of prayer. Now let me tell you something. This is one of when some of your most effective praying is done. Just in the daily duties of life. You're, you're God conscious. You're God conscious. You're conscious of the Lord Jesus living in you. And you're dependent on the Holy Spirit. And, and so you're living in an attitude of prayer. And, and, and you're praying without ceasing. In other words, good things come into your life and you pray about it. And bad things come into your life and you pray about it. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you're sitting behind the car driving. It doesn't matter if you're right in the midst of a conflict or disagreement. It doesn't matter that that if you're right in the midst of a, a great joyful time or a crisis time. Let me tell you something. The way to pray is just to have an unceasing attitude of prayer. 
pray about everything. Just pray about everything. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to worry and you're going to pray. And I suggest you pray. Worry will strangle the life out of you. And man, I find myself with a heavy burden and I find myself burdened about somebody else and I get it on my mind. But immediately when I begin to pray, I know that I'm a part of the answer and not a part of the problem. I'm telling you, there's that what I call praying on the run or the lifestyle of prayer. There's closet prayer. We all need that when we get alone with the Father. There's praying without ceasing. There's an attitude of prayer that just permeates our life. And man, we just know in, any, in every situation to pray. Man, I had a burden on my heart for a situation. And, and man, it, I, my mind just started racing this week. And, and then I said, no, no, no. I can, deli- I can uh, de- deliberate on it. I can think about it. I can analyze it. And it's going nowhere. But I tell you what I can do. I can pray about it. And God will do something about it. But you know, there's a third kind of prayer. Closet prayer. Lifestyle praying. But then there's corporate praying. Did you know that Jesus talked about corporate prayer? Where two or three are, where he said, where two or three are gathered in my name. He was talking in the attitude of prayer, y'all. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the middle of them. And he says, he said in that same passage in Matthew, if any two agree on earth as touching any one thing. Now here's two people, and they said, we're going to pray about this now. We're going to pray about it, and we're going to pray in agreement. And, and, and so they just start praying. And he said, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching any one thing and ask, it will be granted of my Father in heaven. It's corporate prayer. Did you know there's some people praying right now while I'm preaching? Oh, yeah, there are four or five people Three or four, five, praying right now over in the room. Praying for you, praying for me. They're doing corporate praying. They're agreeing for God to, it's called the pastor's prayer support team. Do you know that uh, every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock and every Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we, we have a small group. But you know what we do? We do nothing but pray. It's called corporate prayer. We pray for you. We pray for this body. We pray for revival. We pray for our nation. But that's prayer and agreement. But now, let's just go back and ask the Lord to do this. Let's, let's just ask, let's just pray those two prayers. Lord, teach me to pray. And Lord, enlarge my prayer life. Would you bow your head with me? Now, Lord, as I look into this passage of Scripture, Everyone across this room, I'm asking you to pray. Lord, right now in your heart, Lord, teach me to pray. You say, Brother Fred, I've been praying a long time. There's more God wants to teach you. Would you say, Lord, teach me to pray? And I believe he will in the next few moments. And then I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, would you enlarge my prayer life? I'm not satisfied. Lord, I want more personal, closet, discipline when I get alone with you praying. I want to learn to pray as I move about my daily life, about every situation and everything. Lord, I just want to learn what it is to always be looking to you. Lord, would you enlarge my prayer life?
Now, Lord, that's what we're asking you to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in Matthew 6, I want you to look at the Lord's Prayer. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, they watched him work, work miracles, but he said, they never said, Lord, teach me to work miracles. And they watched him heal the sick. Lord, never teach me to heal the sick. They heard him teach like nobody else. He, he never pray, they never prayed, Lord, would you teach me to teach? But they did ask him, Lord, would you teach me to pray? Because they just watched it. They just saw him finish praying. And so they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? In Matthew 6 is Jesus' answer on teaching us to pray. And it's found in verse 9. All right? There are about four things I want to show you that are a part of, of your prayer life. This is a, this is a, it's, it's good to pray this prayer. It's fine. But that wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose of it was to teach them to pray. And there are five or six things he shows us here that ought to be a part of our prayer life. And this is how you learn to pray. Because you incorporate this into your prayer life. All right, here's the first thing. When the Lord teaches us to pray, we need to realize the person to whom we're praying. We've got to realize that. All right, how does this start? It says, our, somebody say the word, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, realize the person you're praying to. Now, this, this, this is offensive to people, but it's the truth. You know, the pr- prayer is the privilege of a child of God. That, God's children are the ones who can pray. God is the creator of all, but he's the father of all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God can be your creator and not be your father. Because the Bible says we're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But now when you are born of the Spirit of God and the new birth uh, is, works in you by the Holy Spirit and you become a new creation in Christ, I'm telling you, everything changes. God will hear this cry, God be merciful to me a sinner. He'll hear that lost man's prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner. He will do that. But prayer is a priceless privilege of a child of God. And as children of God, we're not praying. Now, you've got to get this. Some of you, you, you've got to get this in your spirit. You've got to know this. You're not praying to a distant, uncaring, uninvolved God. You're praying to one who said that he's going to send the spirit of his son in your heart, crying, Our Father. You know, God is the loving, heavenly Father. Of every child of God. You say, but Brother Fred, that doesn't mean much to me. I had a bad experience with my father. Uh, he abused me or, or he was never there for me. So I don't, you know, the word father doesn't bring warm, fuzzy feelings to me. In fact, it just kind of, uh, it kind of disappoints me. But just wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, then, then face that. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not praying to your earthly father. Hallelujah. You're praying to the living God who is your father through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, he loves you. And he always wants what's best for you. And he'll never do anything to hurt you. Now, because he loves you, he will correct you. Amen? But I promise you, you've got to realize who you're praying for. Man, I, I, I'd, I'd messed up and was struggling and, 
And, and I, was, I just got on my face in my study. This has been years ago. And I was laying on the floor. And I was trying to explain to God what, I, what was going on in my life and how I felt. He, you know what? He just stopped me and said, hey, I know you better than you know yourself. You ain't got to explain to me. I'm your father. And I know you when you sit down and I know when you get up. I know your thoughts are far off. He said, I got, I got the hairs on your head numbered. If a sparrow falls, I know when it. Don't you think I know what's going on in your life? And so please understand, we're not trying to get an audience with an angry God, a distant God, an uninvolved God, an uncaring God. We, 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 we're crying out to one who through his son, Jesus Christ, has provided for our salvation. His son came and died in our place and shed his precious blood and took our wrath and took our guilt and took our sin on the cross. And through Jesus Christ, we can come into fellowship with the living God. And he becomes our father. And prayer changes. That changes everything when I know that I'm praying to my heavenly father who loves me and cares for me and who always wants what's best for me and who will correct me but also who will lead me you got to realize the person you're praying to but then the next thing is this you not only got to realize the person you're praying to you got to realize your priority in prayer now listen to what it says our father who art in heaven, then he says three things. The Jesus is teaching us to pray. Hallowed be your name. Glorify your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. Did you notice that's the first thing? After acknowledging that he's a child of God and belongs to God, then, then, then we, just, we just say, but now, Lord, I'm telling you, the priority in this prayer is that in the answer, and the answer to this prayer, that your name will be glorified. Now, if the answer to this prayer won't glorify your name, then I've missed it. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to lead me when I pray. But if it's not, your name's not going to be glorified, I, I mean, just forget that now, Lord. I don't want any prayer answered that wouldn't glorify your name, and he's not. But you still let him know, Lord, the priority in this prayer is, in answer to this prayer, your name will be glorified. And your kingdom, present and future, will come. And above everything, that your will will be done. You know what that says to me? That when you, you want to know how, the Lord to teach you how to pray, okay? You pray from a heart of surrender. You pray from a surrendered heart. You pray from a surrendered heart. Lord... I'm praying, and, and you know I'm crying out to you, but Lord, I want you to know that the most important thing to me is that you would be glorified in my life. I, I want your glory. And Lord, just understand, I want your kingdom to come. I want the rule and reign of Jesus in my heart. And I'm looking forward to the day when the rule and reign of Jesus will be uh, in heaven. But Lord, I'm just telling you, you know, I don't know a lot of things, and I don't know the few. I don't know uh, everything that's out there in front of me, and, and but I do know this much, Lord. I'm praying with a surrendered heart, and I'm just asking you in the answer to this prayer, glorify your name. That's the bottom line, Lord. 
glorify your name. And Lord, I really want your kingdom to come. I don't know what's best sometimes. I don't understand all the circumstances. I don't know what you're up to in my life. But I know one thing. I want your kingdom to come in my heart. And I want your will to be done. Now, Lord, that's the bottom line. I want your will to be done. I want that. I'm surrendered to your will. Folks, listen. You've got to realize the person you're praying to, but then you've got to realize the priority in your prayer is you pray from a surrendered heart in submission to his name, his kingdom, and his will. Lord, teach us to pray. Here's the third thing. You know in this prayer, he says, when you pray, I want you to realize that I am the source of every good thing in your life. Did you know the Bible says every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning? And, and he says, I want you to realize when you pray that I am the source. I am the source of all good things in your life. And, and he prays about three things. He says, when you pray, you pray about these three things. By the way, you know what he says? You can pray about your material needs. You can pray about that. Don't feel guilty if you're asking God about your material needs. In fact, he says, what does he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily what? See, to, 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 bread was the main source of life to those people. It was all about bread. And Jesus took off on that when he said to them, knowing they realized how important bread was, he said in John, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But you see, God says, it's all right. I'm the source of your physical needs. Now, it says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It did not say, my God shall supply all your wants. It didn't say that. The Bible says, have food and clothes, having food and raiment, therewith be content. You say, woo, I got a problem. My wife's got a problem. No, it's not your wife, it's you. You see, it's, he's a so, he said, when you pray, you realize that everything comes from my hand. And he said, you ask me to meet the material needs of your life. But then wait a minute. Boy, he goes deeper. Man, does he go deeper. He said, you know, I want you to ask me to meet the deepest spiritual needs of your life. And, buddy, here's where the water or the rubber hits the road. Nobody knows about the water hitting the wheel. This is where the rubber hits the road. Are you listening to me? Listen to me. Father, there's one thing I need every day. I need your forgiveness. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need it. So, Lord, I'm asking you. Would you forgive me of my trespasses? You can name them. You can be specific. Lord, would you forgive me of my trespasses? Now, you're the source of every good thing. Jesus Christ died for my sins. He offered one sacrifice for sin forever and sat down at the right hand of the Father. If I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Forgiveness is real. And I want to tell you something. We need the forgiveness of God. You say, Brother Fred, I don't need it. Then, Brother, you do need it. 
And so he said, when you pray, remember that I shed my precious blood. And with my cleansing blood, there's forgiveness. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson. But you see, he said, I'm not only the source of your material needs, but you need my forgiveness. But you need my power to forgive other people. Now, buddy, you're talking about it. You can call it the rubber hitting the road or the water hitting the wheel or whatever you want to call it. This is where we live because I'm going to tell you one thing. You better get, when you pray, you better ask God to get all bitterness and unforgiveness out of your heart. Because if you're going to walk with God, you're not going to walk with God with bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Why do you think he mentioned it in this prayer? Lord, you forgive me just like I'm forgiving others. And then he went on down at the end and said, if you don't forgive those, what, what do you think, how, how are you going to count on my forgiveness? Let me say one thing to you. There is no excuse. There's no justification. There's no basis for you to be bitter and unforgiving in your heart toward anyone. If God, through Jesus, has forgiven you of all your sins, you have no right under God to forgive, not to forgive anyone else. But I got hurt. Hey, we all get hurt. You think Jesus wasn't hurting on the cross? When he looked down at the people who nailed him to the cross and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I'm telling you, I believe the greatest sin of the church is the sin of unforgiveness. The sin of bitterness. I believe that. You just listen to somebody talk a little while, and you'll find out what kind of spirit they got. Some people have never forgiven themselves. You're still living tied to your past. Jesus has long ago forgiven you and forgotten about it. But you're still, you're still digging it up and saying, well, God, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. He said, well, my, did not my blood prevail? Was not my blood sufficient to take care of that? See, some of you can't forgive yourself. But I tell you, bitterness and unforgiveness is so subtle and man if we're not careful we'll nurse it and rehearse it and we'll think we've gotten rid of it but it keeps coming back and and when you hear their name something rises up in you that is not good and that is not god you see he said when you pray you know who you're praying to, somebody that loves you, but you, you know that you're, you're praying for my kingdom to come and my will to be. But now you've got to realize that I'm the source of everything you have, of your material needs, but I'm also the source. He said, I can give you the power to forgive. Praise God. He said, I, I can be your power to forgive. Forgive me. And, and then he goes on and say, listen, he's the source of our, of our every need. Material needs, spiritual needs, but listen to this. He's the source of our spiritual power. You know what it says in the Lord's Prayer? He said, now when you pray, you remember this. You remember this. I'm your source, material, daily bread. I'm your source. I'll forgive you. I'll give you the power to forgive others. And said, by the way, you need to understand that I'm the one that leads you. And you pray for me to lead you away from temptation. You pray for me to lead you. Hey, you know, it, I don't understand why he said, lead me not into temptation. God never leads people into temptation. Maybe he was talking about some kind of trial or something. But I'm talking about evil. I'm telling you, when you pray, you say, Lord, now I'm trusting you to lead me away from evil. Lead me away from temptation. 
Lead me away from temptation, Lord. Lead me away from it. Don't let me be blind and ignorant of Satan's schemes and devices. I'm asking you, Lord, to lead me away from temptation. And if you see me headed toward uh, temptation is leading me down a path that I don't need to go. God, you stop me and you correct me and you warn me. Listen, I'm telling you, you, you're not, the only time you're not going to be tempted is when you get to heaven. And so you pray, God, lead me away from temptation, Lord. Lead me away from it. you got a problem with something. You sure don't go hang around a place where it is, do you? You run from it. And so you, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, lead me away from temptation. And, and listen to this. Deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from the evil one. Praise God. Lord, you, you won the victory over the devil, Jesus. You won. Greater are you that is in me, Christ, than he that is in the world. Would you deliver me from the evil one? Deliver me. See, Lord, teach us to pray. And man, he says, realize who you're praying to. Realize the priority of your prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And realize I'm the source of every good thing in your life. Material things, spiritual things, and spiritual power. Lord, I want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. I want to put on the whole armor of God so I can stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, we, we got to realize that he is the source. And that's why we pray. It's called daily bread and daily leadership and daily protection. My friend, it's called daily. And, and here's a, I, I love this. Lord, teach me to pray. Realize the God you're praying to, Heavenly Father. Realize the priority in your prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, your name be glorified. Realize that he's the source of every good and perfect gift. He is the source of your material needs, your spiritual needs, and, and, and your spiritual power to overcome temptation and the devil. But then realize that he is the awesome, powerful, living God. Who answers your prayer? I love the last part of that prayer. I'm telling you, don't you love the way it closed? He says, and lead me, not in, lead me away from temptation and deliver me from evil one. And then, he, then he's talking about all these things. And then, he, then you can feel faith. Jesus said, now faith needs to rise in your heart. Faith needs to rise in your heart. And this is a part of praying. He says, for yours is the kingdom. It's your kingdom, O God. You're God. You're awesome. You're all-powerful. You're the God, only God who answers prayer. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. Hallelujah! We're not praying to a weak and feeble God who cannot do anything. He spoke this world out of nothing. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And he divided the firmament. Let me tell you something. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah! And he has the power, and he has the glory, and it's his kingdom. And you need to pray in faith because there's no deal that you'll ever face that is bigger than the God you're praying to. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. And yours is the power. I'm praying in faith, Lord. God, it's a big mountain I'm facing. Lord, that's the biggest mountain I've ever seen. God, I don't think, I, I can't get over that mountain. But you said I could speak to it in, in, in your power. But Lord, I'm just telling you, I believe you, God. I not only believe you can, and I, I, I believe you will. I believe you, I believe it's your will. I, I not only believe you can, but I believe you will. Now listen to me. The Bible says, 
In Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those that come to God must believe that he is. You who you say you are, Lord, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Those that come to God must believe that he is and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Man, we've got to pray in faith. Realize, realize that he is the awesome, one true living God, the only God who acts in behalf of those who ask for, cry out to him. And you've got to pray in faith, believing God. And you don't wait till answer's in your hand. You thank God while the answer's on the way. But I hadn't seen it yet, Brother Fred. If you've seen it, you don't need any faith. You, you, you ask God when you can't. You thank God when you can't see it. Thank him when you can't see it. Lord, teach us to pray. And then, of course, that other, that other prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. But then, Lord, enlarge my prayer life. Now, you've got, you got a decision to make. I don't know about your prayer life. I don't know. I know about mine, and I'm not satisfied. Okay? So you've got, you, you, you got to make a decision. Are you just going to keep on like you're going? Or are you going to really ask God to enlarge your prayer life? You say, well, I really hadn't been getting alone with God, Brother Fred. I hadn't had my secret place. I haven't got alone where it was just me and God, and the purpose I went there was to pray. I just don't, I, it just seemed like the, the, I never get around. You know why? Because the devil don't want you to pray. He'll fight you to keep you from praying. He'll try to distract you and get you. To, listen, when I get ready to go to my secret place and pray, I think of a thousand things I need to do. And not one of them's important. Lord, enlarge my prayer life. I want to spend more quality time with you, Lord. By the way, you say, well, I don't know what to say after a while, Brother Fred. Well, I gave you a little material in the Lord's Prayer there. But I'll tell you what, you just didn't listen. You said, Lord, I'm out of words. He said, it's about time you shut up and listen to me. Lord, I just want to listen to you. Anything you want to say to me, Lord? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. Enlarge your secret place of prayer. Start living a lifestyle of prayer, praying about every situation in your life. Don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Come on now. Just pray about it. It, it doesn't matter. Just pray about it. I mean, pray about it. It's a lifestyle. Pray without ceasing. You live in an attitude of prayer instead of an attitude of worry. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Some of you got a verse in your Bible that's not in there. You think it says worry without ceasing. It doesn't say that. Amen. Worry without ceasing. But my mama was a worrier. What's that got to do with it? I ain't got nothing to do with it. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I think worry is a sin. It's a lack of faith in God. You say, well, boy, I sure need to repent. Well, repent. Ask God to enlarge your prayer life. Lord, my secret time, my lifestyle of praying. And Lord, enlarge my corporate prayer life where I get with other people and pray. 
Maybe just have a prayer partner. And I call her up and this lady calls the other lady up and say, let's pray together. Or, or a man has a prayer partner. He calls them up. So let's pray together. And just ask God to enjoy, enlarge your corporate prayer life, to enjoy, enlarge your personal prayer life, uh, your daily lifestyle of prayer, and in corporate praying with someone else. Hey, listen. How wonderful it would be to have someone that you could just call and say, would you pray with me about this? Pray with me about this. And you know they're going to pray. And you know they're going to believe God. And as far as you know, they're right with God. And man, you, you got two people agreeing here. And Jesus said, if two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Seems to me like we do everything but pray. We organize, we plan. God says, well, when are you going to talk to me about it and find out if it's my plan? And when are you going to talk to me about it and let me tell you how I want you to do it? And All I can say to you is this. Two desperate prayers we ought to pray every day. Lord, teach me to pray. And Lord, enlarge my prayer life. Would you enlarge my prayer life, Lord. I don't want to stay where I am. I pray that you'll do it. And God will answer your prayer. And there will be a remarkable change in your life. Because prayer not only changes things. Prayer changes the person that's praying.